0: From the heart of the forest city, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles.
1: It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at Classic Rock981.com, one the news today.ca. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing to reviewing, rating, all that fun stuff with the Craig Needles Podcast. And and this week, I want to focus on these homelessness depots. The City of London is open. They've opened them today. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. I actually went to one over at Cavendish Park and, and set eyes on it myself. Took a look at what was going on and had some conversations with some people from the City of London's end who are helping to run this thing and with a neighbor who's got some concerns. And I'm going to take you through those now. And... Look, I get why people are concerned about this. We're going to talk about those concerns later. I think that some concerns are completely overblown. Some concerns, I think, are fair, and we're going to try to parse those. One that came up at the council meeting, the first one I wanted to get, when someone said, it was part of the public meeting, oh, this is going to encourage people to be homeless. Uh, That is the most ridiculous criticism you could possibly fathom. No one is doing this for a bottle of water. No one is going to live in a tent because they get a free bottle of water and a free sandwich. So that's ridiculous. However, hey, I've got some concerns about what encampments mean for our parks, what encampments mean from a safety perspective. That's fair. So let's parse all of that right now. First, I want to talk, or at least play you my conversation with Chantel McDonald. And Chantel mcdonald you may know the name. Chantel is with London Cares. She's the director of service. And I asked her about what these depots are going to be, which again, when I went and took a photo of it, and I'm happy to describe it for you, the photo shows a table with some bottles of water, maybe some first aid supplies and a porta potty. That's it. That's all this is. There isn't a big giant tent. This is not large production. It's not that. London Cares, by the way, if you're wondering, described themselves as a diverse team of over 70 problem solvers and strategic thinkers fueled by passion for progress and a belief that housing is a human right. I would agree with them. Housing is a human right. Uh, The city spending half a million dollars in this particular project between now and the next 90 days, uh, that is not going to get a whole lot of people or anyone housing, but is going to make their lives better, those who are looking for housing. And that's good. We should be happy about that. Here's my conversation with Chantel McDonald outlining where this is all at. Just tell me what we're doing at these depots. How is this going to work? How is this going to function?
2: Um, So at the depots themselves, we're handing out basic human rights to individuals that are experiencing homelessness in our community. So there are short windows of opportunity for individuals to receive basic needs such as water, fire support, food, um, access to washrooms, that will be 24 hours, uh, harm reduction, and system navigation with individuals.
1: Okay, so when we say system navigation, if, if someone's looking for help as far as getting to a shelter, getting for mental health care, addictions care, things along those lines, is that we're talking about with system navigation?
2: Yeah. So our team works with a number of uh, different resources to connect individuals to. So we can connect to um, the justice system. Today, for example, an individual wanted um, their ID completed, so we supported in connecting to them to the home bus. Um, we support individuals connecting into housing, shelter supports, and we also support them in connecting back back to natural resources.
1: Uh, All right, so there is going to be, you would think, a pretty significant demand for these services based on how many folks we know that are dealing with homelessness in London right now. So, what are the capabilities that we have with these depots as far as how many people can we help per day?
2: So uh, these are an interim solution. Mm -hmm. Um, They're short windows of time um, for a short-term strategy. So um, right now, our food resourcing, we have up to 25 meals per depot. Um, So that includes a hot meal and two cold meals that don't need to be refrigerated. Um, We're starting with that, and we're able to either lower those numbers or add more to those numbers, depending on what individuals need.
1: Uh, so, the the concern for folks who live in the neighborhood, and some of them already flagged me down when I was driving in here, was hey, this is gonna draw more people to our particular portion of the city and therefore it's going to increase thefts. It's going to make it more difficult for people who uh, have houses around here already. What is your response to that when that's some, kind of, some of some of the reaction from folks around here at Cavendish Park and I presume the other depots as well?
2: Yeah, I can understand community's concern. This is new um, and we really want to work with the, the whole community. What we're doing right now is we've picked the uh, depot locations based on a mapping system from the City of London that tracks where encampments already are. Um, so we pick locations where individuals were were to be able to provide service to. We have encampment protocols within our community that we will utilize, um, say if there's a large encampment that's setting up or there's problems within that encampment.
1: When you say problems in that encampment, what are the types of concerns that would qualify as problems?
2: Yeah, so some of the concerns are um, a lot of waste on site, too many individuals per an encampment, um, say unleashed animals. Um, another concern might be um, weapons or violence. Um, so we utilize that as a team to determine um, encampments uh staying within a location so you
1: mentioned this is a temporary solution we're looking at 90 days here what do we want to have happen after the 90 days i I know that we're talking about the hubs and the the whole of community response and i know that's part of it so after the 90 days what do you hope are the next steps
2: our hopes are that this would roll into the whole of community response. So we're working collaboratively with the the whole of community response tables um, to navigate this system that we're working in. So I've heard the saying, you know, we're building a bridge while we're walking on it. That's really what we're doing. Um, so we're hoping that the individuals that we do support in encampments would really be housed within our community and services would wrap around that individual. We don't want to work in encampments. We don't want individuals to live in encampments. This is a short-term solution to a really desperate problem.
1: And that's exactly it. It is a desperate problem. And I don't think anyone, well, I shouldn't say anyone, but for the most part people understand that encampments are probably not great and a suboptimal thing to have going on, but the choices just aren't really plentiful for folks who are in this situation right now
2: within london and, and canada we're in a housing crisis we're a house, in a housing and opiate crisis right now so we're providing what we can in the moment to keep individuals alive while we're also creating a new system in london
1: so there's my conversation with chantelle mcdonald of london cares which was recorded at cavendish park when Myself and some other members of the media went to check out sort of what's there. And you can see the photos at londonnewstoday.ca. It, it, it really isn't much. It's just a way to get people something to drink, something to eat, and a place to use the bathroom. And I, I think that there's a lot of value in that. I do. For starters, if you want to complain about people using the bathroom outside of actual bathrooms, well, you have to give them an option. That's step one. And this does that. That's good. And two, I don't think that giving anyone a bottle of water is going to add to some problems. I know some people had concerns with the idea of doing cleanups in and around some of the encampments. I think that's a good idea. I know that's expensive and I know that's a touchy subject for some, but I think it's a good idea to clean up areas around encampments. Because a lot of these areas are in public parks and some of the debris there, be it stuff left on pathways that people might want to use for cycling or rollerblading or walking pets or whatever and sometimes that stuff is a a a medical hazard there's no way other way to say it other than these are items that are medical hazards because they're used as drug paraphernalia that's that's not me shaming anyone that's just a fact uh there's something to be said for hey those should be those places should be cleaned up professionally Those places should be cleaned up by the city. Maybe that can be part of the the half million they're spending here. And the city, to their credit, says, hey, cleanup is going to be part of this. That's part of the conversation here. So I want to ask Kevin Dickens some more questions. I talked to him at Cavendish Park today, here on Tuesday as well. He, of course, is with the City of London. He is part of the team that works on homelessness there. And here's what he had to say about setting up these depots at Cavendish Park and at three other parks in the city of London. The reaction of the depots, obviously, uh, at council and the public uh, the, the public coming in has been mixed, to say the least. What, what are you generally hearing at the city of London about how folks in the community, not just the community that lives around it, but the homeless community, the homeless community are feeling about these depots?
3: Uh, well, we're you're right on the mixed reactions. I think we get a lot of confusion too from the general public, and rightfully so. We're we're trying to do so many different things right now on the homelessness front uh, to try and improve the system. So people are confused around, you know, us setting up a table and offering water and food and, and garbage collection. Uh, so that versus a hub, which is going to be indoors, 24/7 wraparound care and support. So, um, you know, I think as more as the public becomes more aware of what it is we're doing and what we're not doing, uh, the better off uh, we'll be in terms of that education and awareness and hopefully acceptance. And I think as our experiences tell us on day one of trying to deliver these four service depots, um, there's not a lot to see. It's pretty covert, it's pretty quiet. We're just trying to engage people who are at their most vulnerable with some of their basic needs. Um, but from that population as well, I mean, the outreach workers have been doing a fantastic job the last couple of weeks, really trying to engage people and build trust, like come up, receive these services. We're here to help you. We're going to be here brief, you know, a couple hours, uh, seven days a week. Uh, but really try to build that rapport so that people will take advantage of the of the services uh, and not um, really feel so desperate that they need to go out and seek it elsewhere. Right.
1: So the part of this is going to be, and I talked about this with Chantel, mm-hmm. is going to be getting people to other services and using this as kind of a, a connection point, right?
3: Yeah, that's the idea. Is, is you know let this be a gateway to other formal services. Um, you know, get people to come out of those encampments and, and trust us that are here to help. Trust the frontline workers, which. I mean, th- that goes without saying, they've been doing that work day in and day out for years, uh, but really try to help people feel like there's hope. And if they feel like there's hope, maybe they'll go and access some of the uh, medical treatment services that are available at community Health Centre, or, or access some of the mental health and addiction supports that are out there, or take advantage of some of those other social supports, is really try to reconnect people uh, to the system that have uh, lost faith in the system. What are we looking at for a cost here? Um, so we all in. We were about uh, four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. The bulk of that was around city services in terms of uh, maintaining our six days a week presence with our coordinated informed response team uh, throughout the uh, fall as well as uh, adding an additional roads crew for the garbage pickup uh, seven days a week uh, through to the end of the year. Uh, On top of that, it came out of our existing operating budget around the procurement of food, water, uh, and the coordination of services with uh, outreach agencies.
1: You know, One of the things we heard at the council meeting was, well, this isn't going to solve the homelessness problem. I don't think anyone claims that a half million dollars is gonna solve the homelessness problem. No one believes that.
3: No, and in fact, you know, This isn't even solving encampments or unsheltered homelessness. This is really trying to meet people's basic needs, where they're at. Um, We're in desperation mode in terms of where people are at, where their health and safety is at, Um, and, and we know as a community we're whether you witness homelessness, whether you feel it directly, uh, people are struggling, and we need to make some changes. People are certainly struggling, and there, there are a lot of things that are outside of the City
1: of London's purview that are, are, are part of that struggle. And, and, and folks know, and I know you know how I feel about uh, the, the Ontario Works and ODSP mm-hmm. funding and how it's uh, dr- like ridiculously low compared to where we need it to be. Uh, so I, I think that it's hard for me to look at the, the city as the place where this is the, the only spot where this is going to get sucked because this is a, an issue not just in london but in all sorts of other places too right it's not just a london problem
3: no this is uh, probably the number one topic when we talk to other uh, large urban centers i know the mayor has been very busy with the uh, ontario big city mayors uh, group uh, we we see it at our provincial tables that this is this is the number one priority for community uh, communities large and small but mm-hmm. certainly large ones uh, uh, and especially regional ones uh, you see a, a more profound impact for sure and that's not because people are coming here uh, just to experience homelessness, but we offer a lot of services here from education to healthcare and the justice system here regionally in London. That other surrounding communities maybe don't um, but this is a uh, massive problem in Ontario and, and nationwide and you're right it's so many issues from uh, uh, income supports to access to health care to uh, being Addictions, able to afford the drug trafficking like those are things that are already municipal control uh, but yeah the you look at synthetic drugs and, and what's happened in our streets and you know we hear public commentary about uh, addicts and and people on drugs and at the heart of that is addiction Mm -hmm. and it's devastating it Mm -hmm. is heartbreaking and And the support services for addiction are not nearly where they need them to be that's the other part I don't think you you could keep up with uh, the pace of street drugs and where things have been imported from and what they look like now and the 14 15 different types of fentanyl that exists like Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would be able to keep up with that and, and it is a problem that is gripping and taking people's lives.
1: Uh, whole of community response obviously is, is part of this and this is the, at the end of this particular 90 day rainbow we hope to have some of these hubs up and running. I know a lot of Londoners getting a little impatient. They heard about 25 million dollars in January to go up to 35 million dollars and here we are in July we haven't seen a lot of that yet. I know that that's not a switch that you can just flick on like a light switch but what's happening with that and are we getting closer to seeing the positive impact of that up to $35 million.
3: Yeah, so we're bringing a report forward to Council in July that's going to outline our plan for the hubs uh, in terms of the services that will be provided and how they'll be provided and what those standards of care would look like and also the criteria about where these hubs sh- should go and or where they could go and where they shouldn't go and I think that is a step that we have to do because honestly in the past, uh, municipalities rush in to try and solve problems uh, and I think in the past maybe we would have said, well this is what we're going to do with that money we're going to create this and then we find people that operate it. What we have done, and this is probably the hardest part of being in uh, municipal uh, government as a, as a staff member, is Taking that breath and going to the community and saying, We got a massive problem on our hands, and not one of us can fix it ourselves. It cannot be fixed alone. So, what do we need to do? And bringing all those different minds together to do this properly and do it right. Yeah, it takes us till July until we have a plan. But I think that as a community member, I would be excited the fact that the city's not rushing to do something that might not work. uh, And we're being responsible with the fact that there is a lot of money out there that's going to help this system get up and running.
1: Uh, before we go, Kevin, this is something that I know a lot of people are really invested in. So Londoners who may be concerned about the depot plan or may be concerned about whole of community response or the fact that you know they've, they've seen crime uh, happen on their street or they've had items stolen from their property, what would you say to them about what we're trying to do to combat these things?
3: I would say we're trying to meet people with dignity and respect. And I think uh, you're going to see that reciprocated by those that are receiving services. And if it brings down the level of uh, conflict in neighborhoods or that level of, uh, you know, survival crime in neighborhoods, then that is a, a really positive outcome uh, for those neighborhoods. But as I stand here at Cavendish Park with two wonderful people from London Cares providing service to those in encampments. I think as neighbours, you know, you look around and see this is not a big, large, permanent structure. We are showing up for an hour, for two hours. It's a port-a-body and a table. That's right. And trying to meet people's basic needs and give them that level of dignity uh, so that they feel some sense of hope because people are so desperate right now.
1: So there's my conversation with Kevin Dickens from Cavendish Park
3: this afternoon. And and look, Kevin
1: and and Craig Cooper and some other folks at the City of London, they take a lot of heat for what happens with encampments, for what happens with how the city of London approaches homelessness. And they take a lot of heat from both sides, both from people who say, you're being too harsh with those who are experiencing homelessness, you should be more supportive of encampments, and those on the other side who will say, you're not being harsh enough. They take a lot of heat on both sides. And it's it's a tough spot to be in. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. I think that that Kevin and Craig deserve a lot of credit for navigating a very, very, very difficult set of circumstances. They've got tough gigs. They do. They do. And never tell me that those guys don't care. They do. They absolutely care. They may not necessarily agree with you all the time, but they care. They absolutely care. So, that's my conversation with them, which I, I understand that a lot of people are going to hear that and say, hey, you know, I, I get it. We want to be empathetic. We want to help people who are experiencing homelessness. But I've had this crime happen on my street and that crime happened on my street. And I've had this happen to me or this been sto- this has been stolen from me or I've seen these used needles left at my kid's park. And I, I, I can promise you, I can promise you, I understand the frustration. I do. And I will never begrudge someone for being frustrated by those very legitimate things to be angry about. I'll never begrudge someone that. That doesn't give you license to make things up. That doesn't give you license to claim things in public meetings that are just so far away from reality that they don't make any sense. But if you want to go and tell real life stories of things that are happening and that have happened that made your life more difficult or have provided some level of of fearfulness for you in your own neighborhood, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong for bringing those stories to the forefront. Does giving someone a sandwich and a bottle of water make that situation worse? Absolutely not. And that's not what Margie's saying too. And I talk with Margie and she lives not far from Cavendish Park. She came up and talked to me just before I did some some media stuff in those interviews that we were talking about before. And I went and chatted with her at her place. Just to have a conversation. Hey, how do you feel about what's going on right now? And is Margie concerned about the idea of having people get a sandwich and a bottle of water? No. Is she concerned about what's going on in her neighborhood? Yes. And I think she's got some reason to be. Here's how that conversation sounded. They yeah. set up this depot at Cavendish Park. You live near steps from there. What are your thoughts on how the city has done this with these depots?
3: Well, I
0: think in theory, it sounds great, but um, they aren't managing to clean it up so far. So I'm not looking into the porta potty but I have seen the encampments that have been left vacated and have informed them of it. And it's now been day eight that nothing's been cleaned. Mm-hmm. There still is syringes, drug paraphernalia, tents, all just... Left abandoned.
1: Right, right. And and obviously this is, you know, in a public park and people want to use that space. My dog
0: uses it. I'm afraid that he could get a needle in a paw. My I have two children, they're older, but they do go use the park, myself and my husband. They are all men, so I think they feel fairly comfortable. Um, I do have a son that has developmental delays and I fear that he could be provoked as well as look for something of his that's been stolen and, and get into some difficulty. As a woman, I would never go down by myself.
1: Never.
0: I used to. It's probably been five years that I've decided, you know what, it's not worth the risk.
1: So the encampments there are not a new thing.
0: They're not a new thing. The encampments, I think for sure, have been there for five years. I would say longer they typically come in the summer and they leave in the winter and the last couple years i have helped with multiple people i have left many emails to the city to um, my counselor at the time um, not once have i seen them come to the park and help clean up and it's been with um, the people that live around they bring their own garbage bags they bring their own garbage bins they bring their Trucks. Last year, I hurt my back doing it, but I mean, I'm watching other people do it. I clean the uh, tunnel that's underneath Riverside and Cavendish area on a weekly basis. I also have now started to email the city when it's gotten bigger than what I'm prepared to do, and they do come. They have come to clean the the tunnel.
2: Oh. Okay,
1: and I know that uh, you and your neighbors are obviously very wary of the tunnel based yes. on based on there being folks down there that may be willing to harm or whatever it happens to be right
0: well usually when they're down there and Mm -hmm. they like you will go down there and someone will be sleeping with a sleeping bag over them you check to see if they're breathing Mm -hmm. right and it's just it's it's terrifying Mm -hmm. right and
1: and and you've experienced crime right on your street i've
0: experienced in my house i've had uh two bikes stolen oh there was a stabbing Uh, Two weeks ago, right in front of my house, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The police came here to see if they could borrow a magnet to try to find the knife that was used, that was put down the the drain. And then later I found out that that was the man that had stabbed another man who had a child in a wagon that he was carrying. So, I mean, a lot of things happened in the area, right? Lots and lots of sirens, far more than they ever used to be. I mean... I am sitting here with a friend. I think the first time I saw that things started to decline in London was when, uh, the London psych hospital was closed down and it's been a gradual increase of mental health crimes.
1: Mm-hmm. I worked. Well, in. there's no spaces to help those people anymore. Nope. The psych hospitals will be part of that. I've talked about that quite a bit before on the, yeah. on the podcast and elsewhere. It's just yeah. there, those spaces were there and then in the late 90s there was a shutdown of those spaces and then uh you've got ontario works and odsp that were significantly slashed and this is these these are all just contributing factors to where we're sitting at absolutely yeah
0: yeah and probably the the fall of the family yeah right that doesn't help anybody either right so
1: yeah so what do you want the city to do then i understand that's a big question but you know they've they've, they've set up these these, uh, these depots but what do you want them if to do? they're
0: going to have the depots i want them cleaned i mm-hmm. want someone there daily to make sure everything's cleaned if they're in encampment that has been vacated i want that property to be removed i want them to keep an eye on the ones that are um inhabited that things look clean, that there's some kind of accountability for the space that they have, that they don't get mm-hmm. to just have all their garbage and things looked at. Mm-hmm. And I want, if someone has called to say that they have had an item stolen and that there is evidence that it's in the encampment, I want somebody to come and help them go look, because if they look by themselves, then they could be hurt. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be their fault. And it's the fault that we don't have support enough to
1: yeah. plan it. Yeah. Yeah, so part of that is obviously lack of policing resources and things along those lines. Uh, so, your issue isn't so much the giving out water bottles and some food. That, no, that, that doesn't, no, that's not no. your concern. You know
0: what? No. There's a woman at the end of Cavendish that's put a little hut that for the last two years it said, like, if you have something, help yourself. If you need some or if you need something, help yourself. If you've got a little bit extra, put it in. People put in tampons and pads and granola bars and water bottles, and it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. I know I've watched people go into that cabinet that have no business going into it, but I'm sure it has helped the odd person as well. So I think as a community, you have to take care of each other, but everybody has to be responsible and not just. That's
1: my conversation with Margie and, and she and I talked about all sorts of different things. When it comes to uh, the psychiatric hospital, and you heard about that, we talked about ODSP and OW, and if you hear me on this podcast ever talking about those two things, you understand that I think that is the number one top first point with a bullet problem when it comes to homelessness in this community is so that the provincial government is not taking it as a serious problem. And that is not just Doug Ford, that is multiple provincial governments that I can say that about. So that's part of this. Well, that's part of it. And we got into how just the lack of fair treatment of people has led to this problem. And look, I know that some people are going to hear what she said about, you know, stolen bikes and about being scared to walk in a park near her house and say, well, that's not as bad as what people who are experiencing homelessness is going through. And yeah, maybe maybe it's not. Whatever. That's that's up to you to decide. But I can get why she and other people living in that neighborhood and other neighborhoods where this is going on regularly. And that's becoming more and more neighborhoods, by the way, as time goes on here. I can get why they're annoyed. They have every right to be. I can get why it's a frustrating situation. Of course it is. I can get why they want some level of help somewhere along the line. Of course they would. Of course. So I think that a lot of people in this community are empathetic to those who are experiencing homelessness. But sometimes via the actions of, not a huge percentage of the homeless population, but a percentage of that population, that empathy goes away with a shattered car window, with stolen property, with drug paraphernalia left in a place where kids or pets might play. That's a health and safety issue. I don't care what anyone tells you. That's a health and safety issue. No one's supposed to look the other way on that. That empathy goes away when there's stabbings On a street. No one wants to look out front of their house and see a stabbing. I'm sorry. That empathy goes away when there's fear of going to a park near your community or walking down your own street. Sorry, but that that, that empathy maybe not even goes away. Perhaps that's that's a bad term for it. But that empathy gets lessened. That empathy gets detracted from. And that's the part that I think is worthy of a conversation here. Should we be helping? Those who are experiencing homelessness, absolutely. Absolutely. But I get why people say, hey, this is a situation that's not tenable for me. And I'm wondering if the city of London is doing enough about it. So we'll see what happens when the whole of community response really gets going in October. I hope for the very best. I hope that it's a phenomenal, phenomenal success. But we'll see what happens. And we'll discuss this more coming up on the Friday Roundtable this week. I hope you can download that podcast as well. It's all the time we have here on the Craig Needles Podcast. Thank you very much to uh, Chantel McDonald from London Cares, Kevin Dickens, City of London, and to to Margie, who's a a neighbor of the the, uh, encampments in Cavendish Park. Uh, We appreciate... uh, those folks coming on and talking with us and having a conversation about what's going on, appreciate you downloading, listening to, and subscribing to The Craig Needles Podcast as well, which could you, which, of course you can find at ClassicRock981.com and LondonNewsToday.ca.
0: The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.